Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the house of hardcore, and the heart and soul of professional wrestling, Tommy Dreamer and I have two amazing guests for the podcast. First, we talk to the man that may be changing the landscape in professional wrestling, and that is the man behind your AEW world champion, Kenny Omega, and that is Don Callis. He joins the show as well as after a five-year absence. How about this? Mike Bennett is back in time for Ring of Honor's final battle, and we talk to the man back with Ring of Honor right here on the Busted Open Podcast. Truly, what he has been able to bring to the table over the last week and what we can look forward to in the future in 2021, Tommy, I actually do, when we get him on, I want to thank him because I think he deserves a thank you. He'll love that. He loves being put over. I mean, come on. It's not even about being put over. It's about facts. And I think the facts outweigh anything other than that that truth behind it. And here we are. We are finally joined by Don Callis, like I said, executive vice president of Impact Wrestling. And probably even more important than that right now is what he's doing with your AEW world champion, Kenny Omega. And Don, first of all, thank you for the time and and welcome to the second hour of Busted Open. Good to see you, Dave. Yeah, it's good to see you. And before you just joined us, I told Tommy that the first thing I wanted to do, and a lot of people are going to probably think I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but it's the truth. I want to thank you because when it comes to pro wrestling, you mentioned the word history. But it's also about creating a buzz and what you've been able to do with not only AEW on Wednesday, but more importantly, Tuesdays with Impact is that you've been able to create a buzz. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been good. I mean, I said on Impact that, um, you know, I didn't get back in this business to do the Killing the Town podcast. and I just certainly didn't get back in it to be a commentator. Um, It's uh, there was always a plan. And it was, it was playing the long game. And, you know, one of the side benefits of that has been buzz and buzz is one of the things that I think is difficult to create. If everyone could create it, then everyone would have it. And, uh, everyone doesn't have it. I I guess I don't set out to try to, to try to make buzz or, or those sorts of things, but I do set out with a grand plan. I've always been a big plan motivated and so don't come to me and talk to me about, you know, the, you know, wrestler X versus wrestler Y in the second match. Don't care. Um, I care about what happens in, in history. And they say the winners get to write the history. And Kenny Omega right now are in a position where we are writing the history. Um, two guys from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, 
are the talk of the wrestling business and have not once but twice changed the entire wrestling business. And that's all. And, and I, I, it's not a gimmick. The invisible hand is I always, I never wanted to be, you know, like Tommy, I didn't want to be a wrestling star and a world champion. I was a, I was a great wrestler, but I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be the guy who pulls the strings and that's where the invisible hand comes from. Donald, uh, I had said it earlier on the air. Why wrestling is great. Literally, what I saw on Tuesday in Kenny Omega, I've never seen in his entire career. And I definitely did not see in the last over a year in AEW. This, I always knew he was a great wrestler. I He was one of those guys who got over in the ring with his work and his actual in-ring performance. But that personality that he showed, and I know you have a lot to do with it because I would say you're like an old school manager. You hype your guy up. You expect your guy to take it to the next level. And that was next level. That's Shawn Michaels. That's Ric Flair. Uh, That's what Kenny Omega did on one night. Uh, on impact and then he brought it last night uh do you attribute that what do you attribute that to like literally i say it's because it's different management different show different way or was this just always kenny i i think it's uh if you think about it i don't want to speak for kenny we haven't spoken about this but i mean i think if you look at it um being the top guy in japan is a very different proposition than coming in and being, you know, the face of a brand new wrestling promotion that everybody's talking about. Um, I, I think Kenny just for the last year didn't feel totally comfortable and totally like he could be himself. One of the nice things about family is, you know, when we get together with family for a dinner or to go to church or whatever we do, we feel comfortable. We feel we can be ourselves. And I think because of the bond that Kenny and I have that goes back two and a half decades or more, I think Kenny feels that he can be himself uh, when I'm there. And so I think that we feed off each other and uh, it's uh, Dave Meltzer has described it over and over again as a Heenan Bockwinkle type of dynamic where both parties feed off the other one. And it's, and it's, it's made to be a superior uh, tandem. And I think that's what we've seen is Kenny's just, I think Kenny's comfortable and, He's comfortable being himself because if you ever listen to Kenny talk, most people don't get to hang out with Kenny. He's very selective, but uh, you know, I think Kenny would probably tell you, you know, it's, I'm just so much better at this than everybody else. And, and he really is. I mean, Kenny is, Kenny's a top wrestler on the planet. And number two is probably not close. So it's uh, certainly an AEW. He's by far the top wrestler. You know um, I will, I will respectfully say that I think Rich Swan, Kenny Omega is, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pick that one for a bunch of reasons. I think Rich Swan is a phenomenal, phenomenal wrestler, but in AEW, since we're talking about dynamite, it's a great show. Um, and, and by the way, for all the fans out there, you're welcome for dynamite. You know, you're welcome because without the Tokyo dome match between Jericho and Omega, by Tony Khan's own words, there's no AEW. So 
if if the biggest thing to happen in wrestling has been AEW, then you have me to thank for that and Kenny Omega to thank for that because what of what we did at the Tokyo Dome. So I think at the end of the day, it works well, Kenny and I. Um, I think that there's going to be, a, the great thing is too, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to try to come between us because guess what? Or try to bandwagon jump. Oh, could I join your family too? Well, no, you can't because you're not part of the family. So I think there's going to be bandwagon jumpers. There's going to be stooges and sycophants that are going to try to bust this up. At the end of the day, you can't come between family. Uh, behind you is the movie poster for Enter the Dragon. And for those who have seen that movie, it's probably the most influential action movie of all time. Definitely the greatest martial arts movie of all time. But it's about the influence that that had on movie franchises. What's the influence that you have had when it comes to Kenny Omega? Because you, you said about Kenny being the, the the greatest wrestler. He's number one. The number two isn't even close. What explain your influence that you've been able to have on him? You know, I think that uh, in Kenny's life, um, uh, you know, you have to understand Kenny grew up in Winnipeg. His uncle was a wrestler. We've talked about this, the golden Sheik, uh, and, and the golden Sheik trained me as a wrestler. Uh, and then when I became a young brash, uh, heel that was going on television right away, way too early, the Sheik was my manager. And the Sheik looked after me. Unlike a lot of old school guys, uh, he looked after me and took care of me. And so when I met Kenny, I took an interest in taking care of Kenny. And Kenny got in the wrestling business. Kenny grew up watching me on TV in four provinces in Canada as the natural, as the top heel in the company. So Kenny was actually a fan of mine as a young boy. And then when he became a wrestler, I started looking out for him, trying to get him bookings, those sorts of things, trying to make sure that he was taken care of, giving him advice. I would get calls in the middle of the night from Japan, you know, hey, boss, what do I do? That sort of thing. And and so it's been a very symbiotic uh, relationship. And I think that for Kenny, I think that he also, like me, is motivated by big things. Kenny doesn't want to, you know, I want to have a five-star match. He's had that. I want to have a six-star match. Done that. Seven-star. Done that. What's left? What's left is shaping history and changing the industry. You know, there's other people that have done it. Vince McMahon did it, you know, for sure. Eddie Graham did it. Paul Heyman even did it. No one's done it twice. And that's what Kenny and I have done. Maybe we're going to do it a third time too, you know. Maybe we're going to, we're going to go and clean out all the underbrush of all the old hardcore wrestlers like Tommy. Maybe Kenny will make an example of people like that. And, uh, you know, that's the great thing. You have Kenny Omega. You have the greatest wrestler in the history of the business, a Hall of Famer in his mid-30s. You can do whatever you want. Imagine this. Just imagine this. You have the best wrestler of his generation, the best athlete in wrestling, and by far the most intelligent person, the most visionary person in wrestling and me together, tell me something we can't accomplish, Dave LaGreca. Well, one thing that you were able to accomplish this past Tuesday, and, and one thing I have always said about Impact Wrestling, Don, is that it's almost like pro wrestling's best kept secret. Uh, consistently, it's very good show, week in and week out. But yet, a lot of eyes are not on that show.
Tuesday, it was trending number one. And that's going up against an NFL football game with the Dallas Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens. Like, I, I don't know if people can really grasp the significance of that. Um, how proud of you that you were able to accomplish that? Because that's pretty much off the back of the work that you've been able to put in with not only Kenny, but Impact Wrestling as well. Look, the um, the team at Impact does a great job. Everyone from, you know, Ed Nordholm uh, to Scott Demore, myself, uh, you know, guys like Tommy and D'Lo, many other people, people on the creative team do a great job. And uh, I think that Scott and I have always said, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And we've tried to make those sorts of changes and tried to put on a product. And, you know, you don't hit on everything, obviously. Um, but uh, it's a process. And I think that um, I've been excited about Impact Wrestling uh, for a long time. And I think you're right. I think the people, once they find it, they realize this is a great show. Um, in terms of the trending and the accolades and all of the metrics around Tuesday night, which are huge, you know, I guess I would say the same thing I say to fans of AEW, you're welcome. Don, you're in an interesting <laughs> situation. You are an impact wrestling executive, mm -hmm. which, and now you're working, you're not working with AEW, you're with Kenny. Um, it's, you have brought ratings. You brought a lot to the table with just one day. And now you're doing stuff. You know, this is your, your you had an appearance last night with AEW. Uh, again, because your relationship with Kenny, a lot of people want to know, like, where is this going to go? Or, you know, you're not really a manager um, to Kenny. And if then you're going to be a manager, it's, I don't want to say you're double dipping because I know you're not getting paid by AEW or are you, I don't know anything. So like, <laughs> where is this going? It, where it's going is in the history books. We're not done. I mean, you know, I remember actually hearing you uh, talking when I came back, when I left new Japan, or actually didn't leave new Japan. I guess I was still working there, but when I, took over with Scott Demore impact wrestling. You said, this is the greatest comeback in the history of wrestling. You said that, do you remember that? Yes, I did. Yeah. 13 years away from the business, come back, take over the number two wrestling company in the U S Scott. And I did that. And you thought, wow, like I'm sure in your, as it, I'll use your, your wrestling lingo in your wrestler brain. You probably thought, wow, that's pretty awesome. What, you know, that's it. Well, that wasn't it. That was just, phase three of a plan that was years in the making. So let's not make all of us the same mistake twice and be short-sighted. Let's not assume that this is the end. Maybe this is just the beginning. Um, you know, I'll say the same thing as I said to Josh Matthews on that interview. You think I came back to be a color commentator? Do you think I came back just to help Kitty Omega? I just tried and win the AWA, AEW, AWA, Freudian slip. I keep telling myself I'm not Bobby Heenan. Um, I didn't come back just to have Kenny win one title. Um, I think that now that Kenny and I have the appropriate levers in place, 
my power within the industry based on my executive position, my power in the industry based on what I've just accomplished, which can never be unwritten. So it's money in the bank and Kenny's power as the real world champion, AEW world champion. It's also got the triple A belt. I might go down and mess with Conan a little bit. I'd like to do that. Conan irritates me. So we're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to enjoy pulling all the strings. And I'll just say this, you know, Dreamer, on those drives to the production meeting, you might want to be a little nicer to me when we see each other, you know, because uh, I can I can hook you up, kid. You got a luxury bus now. I have to drive. I used to drive you. Now you got a luxury bus. I told I'm doing the job and I'm not even I'm not even there. <laughs> You're, you're free to enter the uh, the competition to be the driver of the luxury bus. There's a lot of people on the list. Oh, thanks. You're such a. You know, you're not. You're not. You know, you're not allowed to use the bathroom of the bus. That's the only thing you use. You're such a great friend. I know. You know, I miss Don- you, Tommy. Uh, miss you too, Donald. Um, I, I I've been uh, in radio for over 20 years, and when I started this show, and then when Tommy became a part of it, Mark Henry and, and Bully. Uh, one thing that Bully said to me was that, you know, Dave, you may have been doing radio for 20 years, but now with this show, you're no longer in uh, the radio business. You're now in the pro wrestling business and you need to Spartan up to that. Uh, with what you were able to accomplish with Kenny last week on AEW Dynamite, was that kind of like Tony Khan's wake up call? to the pro wrestling business. Like, were you able to take advantage of Tony Khan? Because, you know, he's extremely successful in the world of business, in the world of sports. But was that a lesson about pro wrestling last week? Someone called me a manipulative carny. And I think I tweeted back at them and said, you say that like it's a bad thing. I might put that on my LinkedIn profile. Um, What does that even mean? what that means is somebody got worked and people get worked all the time, not just in pro wrestling, pro wrestling. We have a name for it. Uh, in in other areas of life, it's just called being successful. So if I work someone, what I'm actually doing in the corporate parlance is outmaneuvering them. I'm smarter. So you can call me a manipulative carny. You can call me a worker, you can call me old school, whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, what I am is successful. The winners write the history. I'm writing it right now. And so, hey, listen, I think Tony Khan's probably a very nice guy. It's not personal. Not personal. But, you know, when the, when the bus, if you want to call it that, is rolling, some things get run over. And that's just how it works. Tony Khan understands the dynamic. He's in the pro sports business, you know. If, uh, if one team is substandard and you run into a juggernaut, you're probably taking an L. Well, Tony Khan took an L last week. And you know what? I would say to Tony, look at the upside. You get to be part of history. You get to be a footnote to an addendum, to an appendix in the history that Don Callis and Kenny Omega are writing on your own television show. And you're getting the benefit of that. So I think Tony's a good guy obviously very smart very successful but people think on different levels it's like i said some people make money other people make history doesn't mean the person that makes money makes matches isn't a nice person 
it's just a different level of consciousness. That's what it really is. At the end of the day, it really is. It's like comparing, no offense to Tommy, a wrestler with the Dalai Lama. Kenny and I are next level, next level consciousness. And, and you just, that's not something you can buy. Sorry. Well, if you think about how you came into ECW, yeah, you were part of, uh, you latched on to the network and created as the announcer and were, were part of, you did the same thing when you showed up with TNA. So you kind of, uh, I don't want to say you latch on, but yes, you've always been doing that. And it's, it's proven uh, when you and Don, uh, I'm sorry, you and Scott started out with impact. The main goal was to change the perception of all the, the negative from TNA that it brought over with the name change. And you did that. Uh, you, you changed the, the business with Jericho and now you're changing again. So you have a lot of those accolades, which I like for some reason you keep on, calling me out for some little reason i'm a gonna be a 50 year old man that does not that i wouldn't want to face kenny omega but uh i see this when number one if this continues it'll eventually implode normally because of egos and people not being able to coexist Right now you have leverage, but you will always not have leverage. Uh, you went out there on this show and said the best wrestler in the world is someone who doesn't work for the company that you're an executive for. Um, and then if Kenny loses an AEW, he loses that title, you lose that leverage well. So you, as well. So you kind of got to be a little bit careful with that. I don't want to see that happen to you because most of the times you're a nice person um, to me as well at, at times. So Tommy, just, can I just can I just cut you off? Of course you can. Here, here, here's the Zen of this whole situation. Doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. I've already, I'm already in the history books. There's going to be a time where Dave Meltzer is going to have to come up with a new accolade, a new category for his Hall of Fame. Maybe it's architect. Maybe it's God. I don't know, but. <laughs> My history has been written. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I get hit by a bus tomorrow, Tommy. doesn't okay. matter. Don Callis changed history twice. So let's just, just since you mentioned ECW, I latched onto the network. I created that character. I created that gimmick. Here's all I did in ECW. And I mean this with no disrespect, Tommy. You know, I love you. You know, you're one of the only people I listen to and take advice from. You're like a father figure to me. Um, so... <laughs> Sorry, I tried to get that out of the straight face. <laughs> but Tommy, listen, I mean this with no disrespect, but while you and all of your contemporaries were bashing your brains out, going through tables, doing whatever it was you were doing as the innovator of hardcore, you know what I was doing? Making the same money you were making, maybe more, probably with you more because you were taking your money and paying me. Nice guy. What I was doing, was making the same money and not taking any bumps. That makes me smart. That makes me a visionary, not someone who latches on to anything. So I'll just correct you on that a little bit. Oh, okay. But isn't, stand, isn't there something to be said? I stand corrected. What happened? I was, I was just going to say, sometimes passion and love for something is more important than financial or, or money. And I think Tommy's a case of that. He, he loves so, so, what he does. Yeah. 
Tommy's a great guy. Tommy's the patron saint of wrestlers. I've always said that. I love Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer is my favorite person other than Kenny Omega in the wrestling business. That's why I'm here today, Dave, with all due respect. I think you're great too, but you know, Tommy's almost like family. He's like the weird uncle who comes over for Thanksgiving and by nine o'clock, you just want him to leave and he goes and sleeps in the garage. You know, that's Tommy Dreamer, but I love him anyway. Um, I love you too. It's, Thanks, uh, it's going to be interesting. That's all I got to say. And when you talk about accolades, what are you, what, 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 what do you, what are you, what are you, uh, uh, hardcore Walter Cronkite over there? It's no. going to be interesting. That, that's, that's what someone says when they're, you're flabbergasted. You don't know what to say. I don't you know, know what to here, say. I don't know here, what here's some of, holds, but hang here, on here, one here, second. Here's you're some adjectives about... you could use. Great, brilliant, visionary, you know, throw some of those out. I don't mind those. Those are good. Okay. It's going to be great. It's going to be visionary. Thank you. Uh, you can first person to kick out of Jimmy Snooker's splash. The only person to kick out of Jimmy Snooker's splash was me. I don't live in accolades. Uh, did a famous angle. You just gave yourself one. <laughs> no, but that was the truth. But I don't still live on those accolades. You walk around airports. You walk around airports with an ECW jacket that says Tommy Dreamer on it. Says <laughs> Tommy Effin Dreamer. God. You don't like... walk around airports. You're such a jerk. <laughs> well, uh, thank you again for the time. Um, really what? looking forward. It's over? That went well, fast. Well, it, it always it always goes fast when you come on. Um, what you were able what to t-shirt is Tommy Dreamer wearing right now, by the way? Bullet Club. Wow. Good. Well, Kenny Omega and I are going to enjoy the cease and desist we send you on that one. Well, thank you. Maybe you could find me. Trust me, I got the money. I could afford it. Wow. Uh, wow is what you were able to accomplish over the last week, Mr. Callis. Uh, wow is what the you know Impact Wrestling doubling their viewership and trending number one worldwide going up against the NFL. Wow is what you were able to do, you know, with helping Kenny Omega win that AEW World Championship. And I think wow is just an understatement of what you're going to do next in the world of pro wrestling. I mentioned to Tommy earlier, I wanted to thank you. So thank you uh, for creating this buzz. Thank you for taking a world of pro wrestling, which started to become stale and now changing that and looking forward to 2021 and look forward to what you're going to do in 2021. So thank you again for the time, sir. Thank you very much. And I was very sorry to hear about Tommy Dreamer that this is his last show. So let's just recognize that. Okay. Thank you. He works for Sirius now. <laughs> oh, who knows, Tommy? Who knows what Don Callis is doing? Uh, Wait Don, a minute. Again, that wasn't oh. real? I wasn't supposed to say that? Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Sirius okay. the virus. Are we still on? Yeah. Uh, oh. Yes, we are. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Tommy. I guess they'll talk to you after the show. Great. Thank you. Bubba's great. I really like Bubba. Oh, he loves you. Does he? Well, that's yeah. nice. But, but well, Bub, you know what? Bubba thinks several steps ahead. He's not like some people who just live in the moment. You know what I mean? Moment to moment. Okay. So I just like to leave you with this. If Kenny Omega were here, he would do the thing. I'm not going to do the thing because Kenny Omega and I do the thing together. I will just say this. Just remember, guys, in this business, some people make memories. But only one person makes history. Don Callis.
executive vice president of Impact Wrestling and changing the landscape of pro wrestling for 2021. Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Mr. Bennett, how are you, sir? I am wonderful. Uh, all things considered, I'm feeling good and healthy and happy, and uh, thank you for having me. Without a doubt. And, you know, a little bit of a different interview than the last time we spoke to you, because now here with Ring of Honor coming back home uh, after five years and then final battle, the biggest show of the year coming up next week, and also renewing friendships especially the one with Matt Taven. So a lot to get into when it comes to your career over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a busy month for me, which I'm very, I'm, I'm honestly considering the way the world is and the way wrestling is and everything. I'm so, I'm so incredibly thankful that I have a, that I can work and I can, we can weather through this. And uh, I don't let that slip my mind ever because there's thousands or millions of people that can't work right now. So I'm truly blessed. I really am. Mike, you've been out of Ring of Honor for five years. Five years. Two thousand Final Battle, two thousand fifteen, is when I left. And now you're returning a Final Battle, huh? Now I'm returning a Final Battle. <laughs> That's amazing. Five like, years honestly, later. It, Five years seems like such a long time, but yet, and I always say this: it happens in an instant. You know, you're yep. five years older, and you, you're a guy. I've known you for a long time. You're a guy who did it the right way in the sense of. You started on the indies. I would say Ring of Honor was kind of like your first break, your first company. Then you went to Impact. Then you went to WWE. Now you're back uh, with Ring of Honor where you, you can go home. But like that whirlwind of just, if you think about it, if putting it out there in the universe, for in five years ago, you were on top of your game there. You're still on top of your game. But man, like think of how much your life has changed in those five years. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I've done a lot of reflecting lately just because of the situation we're in and where I'm at in my life. Um, and it's it's really crazy to me to think that five years ago I left Ring of Honor. And within those five years, I essentially lived an entire lifetime. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like I, I went, I, I did New Japan, I did Impact, and I did WWE, which if you've spent a year at WWE, you know, like, the 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 way the toll and then just the learning experience because this isn't a negative at all it's just the the um the whirlwind of wwe always feels like a lifetime because of everything that's going on there um but i've grown so much i, I my career the last three years might have been uh, a little shoddy and a little kind of not in the direction I hoped it would go, but as a, a human, as a man, and as a um, as a dad and as a husband, though these past five years I grew uh, like insanely, and it's an insane amount. I, I I had two kids, I bought a house, like my relationship with my wife is the best it's ever been. Like I just I grew as a man and as a husband and a father, and that's what I'm most proud of. Is there one moment, though, that was kind of like your wake-up call that made you realize that something had to change? Yeah, you know, it, uh, this is going to sound really funny 
because I've had kind of like this, uh, I've butted heads a lot with, with WWE and stuff like that. But going to WWE did change my life. And did it change my career for the better? Probably not. But I was forced to shape up quicker than I probably would have had to had it not been for the fact that I was now being drug tested, for the fact that uh, I was now under more scrutiny, more eyes were now on me. Um, like being at WWE is what essentially made me focus and made me be more responsible in turn uh, grow up because you have to. In order to survive in that company, you have to grow up. Um, and that's what it forced me to do. And I think, honestly, when I realized that I had a problem with pain with painkillers and I had an addiction, that was the moment ever since I, I took that battle head on. And ever since I said to myself, no, you're going to hold yourself accountable more often, everything snowballed in a good way and in a good way, everything snowballed, everything started happening better. Once you hold yourself accountable for your mistakes and your problems, it just opens up the world to you. You suddenly are like, yeah, that's my fault. But if it's my fault, I can also fix it. You know, we talk about, that's called life and you're lucky that you came out on the other side because a lot of talent didn't, a lot of wrestlers didn't. And I grew up in wrestling in the nineties where now I've seen a lot of these kids that I knew as babies and their parents weren't around for them. And because of all all that stuff that they were doing. But if you also think about perhaps one of the greatest performers of all time, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, was and what he has said he was a dick he was living the wrong life and then he met his wife he decided to have kids and it changed his life around and he was a total different person than the people that knew him before and he still became the greatest wrestler of all time and for you who has the talent the ability i mean you look at i follow you on social media you know not just because we're friends but like I see your strive. I see your passion. You look at your body where there's a lot of people where it's, Oh, I gained COVID weight. You've actually gotten in better shape because of, and that's inspiring and stuff like that inspires others to, Hey, I want to improve my life. So you, that stuff inspires me. And I know you're someone that grew up watching me, but for me to, I'm just telling you, you've inspired me with your life. So keep on living your life because you're doing the right thing. You know, it's honestly, Tommy, it's that that means more to me than probably anything. You know how I think about you. You know how I feel about you. We've talked about it. So to hear that, um, it's always a difficult uh, decision when you want to open up your personal life to people, because with the good, which is motivating people, inspiring people um, and showing people that there's a path to a healthier, cleaner life. It also comes with its downfalls when you open up your life like that. I mean, the amount of messages and tweets I get telling people calling me a junkie or saying, who's watching your kids while you're off getting high? Like that comes with the territory. But the fact that I know that I'm reaching people I don't know and then reaching people that I do know, that is, again, anything I do in wrestling will pale in comparison to actually helping people out. I had someone when I was still with WWE, we were down in Arizona for uh, the Royal Rumble. And I had a guy come up to me who was my age um, and he was shaking and he was crying to me, telling me how my story of addiction and perseverance got him through his divorce and made him not fall off the wagon again. And like, 
I still like, it still hits me and still shakes me up to this day because like, that means more than any world championship I'm going to win. That means more than any match I'm going to have any town I'm going to be in knowing that I can have this effect on people that will last well beyond my wrestling career. That is just, that's why I did it. And that's why I continue to want to do it. We're in a, we're in a negative time. This, this industry can be very negative. And uh, I don't know. I just want to be someone that when people look back, they go, you know, in a negative time, we could always look to Mike for a little bit of positivity, whatever that could be. Dude, uh, listen, man, uh, I get it. I'm going to be 50 uh, in February and I get it. What, ECW meant to people, uh, same thing. Like this one kid, I've even, I wound up meeting him and he had cuts all over his arm. He was a cutter. And he said, my parents were getting divorced and I felt nobody loved me. And for some reason I gravitated toward you because you love the wrestling fans and all that you went through. And he's like, I stopped cutting because of you. And just that simple little thing. Like when I'm in my twenties, I don't realize that. No. When you're the older you get, you realize the, your reach that you have, especially with social media. Uh, I joke about it where more people are talking about my stupid man bun, where for the last 10 years, I've had a bald spot. And everyone's like, 2020 is the worst year. Tommy Dreamer has a man bun. I'm like, I'm happy I have the ability to grow hair. And if your 2020 is the worst that I have a man bun, your life needs to be checked. <laughs> for you man yeah there people are gonna um, my point is i have hair and i'm happy about that and people are not happy i have hair so <laughs> if that's stupid i don't heal them but if i was you i would just send maria after them because i she sometimes scares me on social media she comes after but that's good because she's always been in your corner Sometimes she scares me all the time. That's uh, that's something I, whenever I have a problem, I'm like, I think if uh, Maria can handle this, I don't, I mean, that, uh, people don't want to mess with her. I know people like to say stuff to her on Twitter, but she's, she's a terrifying woman in a good way. Fiery redhead right there. Oh, she's yeah. She's, <laughs> and now she's a mom too. So oosh. you, you need mom you, strength. You yeah. need that woman to keep you in check. You know, you you need that. You need that force in your life. There's no doubt about it. You know, Mike, now you're back in Ring of Honor, like you said, after five years. And, you know, final battles coming up next Friday. You can watch it uh, on Fight TV. And, 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 Mike, as much as things have probably changed in Ring of Honor, I'm sure there's a lot that still is the same when it comes to Ring of Honor. Yeah, you know, I feel like Ring of Honor is this company that is consistently putting out good talent and then losing that talent and then consistently recreating better talent, just as good talent, even like the quality of the television show stays the same. Uh, I, I had this analogy the other day, and I feel like it's pretty spot on. Ring of Honor is the law and order of professional wrestling, law and order, the TV show. So yeah. the cast keeps changing but the quality of the show keeps staying the same. So the detectives, the actors will go on to do other stuff, but then they'll replace the detectives with actors that are just as good or better. Ring of Honor keeps doing that. Ring of Honor keeps producing all this talent that go on and then try their, their, uh, their talent somewhere else. And they keep bringing in younger guys or even older veterans who haven't gotten a break yet. And they just continue to put on quality television. And that's the one thing that I loved about coming back is like, I haven't been here five years. I was like, I wonder what it's going to be like. I come walking in the door and I honestly felt like I didn't, I never left. 
there, some of the faces have changed, but for the most part, the Briscoes are here. Jay Lethal's here. Dalton Castle's here. Matt Taven's here. Like all these people that I grew up with essentially in ring of honor are still here. And it's just, I don't know it. I'm so happy because it felt like I left, uh, I went abroad for college for four years and then I came back and everyone's just like, welcome back. This is great. Enjoy it. Uh, and it's, it's just, I'm just having the time of my life right now. And I'm just, I'm, I'm so thankful and appreciative that I get to do it. And, and Tommy, Bobby Cruz is still there. Like, who does he have pictures of? Like, what, what is, how does Bobby <laughs> Cruz have been able to maintain and keep that job for all these years is crazy. But uh, you mentioned Matt Taven, uh, obviously, uh, you have the match, you know, you and Matt um, uh, next week. Talk about rekindling that, you know, your old tag team partner, your old friend, and what that's going to be like for you next week. You know, so me and Matt joke that we've been uh, we've been planning this return for five years. So ever since I left, we've been thinking about when I'm going to come back. And it, it's essentially true. I mean, maybe the year in in Impact, um, I, I loved my time at Impact. So, like, I, I wasn't really – we were talking, but it was mostly about good things that were happening. But the three years at WWE, I just – creatively i wasn't happy so me and Taven have always been as buddies do as best friends do we're always just like wouldn't it be cool if this happened wouldn't it be cool if that happened what if i do this and then come back there um and Taven was the one who was there when all the crap was hitting the fan in my life when when uh you know i came out with my addiction he was the first one that was there besides my wife he was the first one that said what do you need from me what can i do to help when i had my kids he was the first one to call me like when he won the world championship, I was the first one to call him. Like the, there's very few people in wrestling that you consider like your best friends, but Taven is my best friend. He's my brother. So when I got to come back and do this, like I was just giddy. I was excited. It felt like Christmas morning. And now going forward with the way I feel about life and about professional wrestling and how much Taven has grown as a performer, I'm I just texted him this last night. I'm so excited to have our first match as new wrestlers, as new people, because I can only imagine what we're going to be capable of. And to me, that's exciting. I genuinely feel excited about wrestling, probably for the first time in a while. And it's I don't know. To me, it's just it's super. It's a super exciting time. And I'm just so thankful for it. Uh, That's awesome to hear, because, again, you've been doing this since you're a teenager and. It's, I'm going to tell you too, from a life experience, when I left WWE, I, you know, I had quit my job. I had, you know, I didn't know where my life was headed. And then I went to Impact Wrestling or was TNA. And I remember, you know, getting to work with AJ Styles. And I was so excited and wanted to show the world that I was 39, that I still had it. Because for a while you feel like you don't have it because of the system that you're in. Right. And the moment it's different because there's no fans, but you'll know when you're having a great match and that giddiness, it doesn't go away. And the fact that you're having that, I had, that was, I've not been nervous in a long time. I was happy nervous because I was just, I cannot wait to go out there because I knew what I still had. So uh, I'm happy you get to feel that way because it's, it's a great, great feeling, and it's a great feeling to have a, not only a company appreciate you, but to feel self-worth in the wrestling business. Yeah, and it's it's really nice, too, um, not to have a company that only not only appreciates you, but trusts you. 
that like Ring of Honor in my first match with with Vincent that I had, I had that feeling of nervous, but excited nervous, not nervous in the sense that I hope I don't screw up because someone will yell at me. It was nervous. Oh, I'm excited. I'm nervous because I want to put on a good match and I'm excited about what we can do. But also with that Ring of Honor, it's so nice to because you lose your um, you you lose your self esteem a little bit at WWE and and again I'm not trying to bash because I'm past that but it's it, the way the system is set up is it's if you're not the guy then they want you to know you're not the guy and so you you kind of lose your your confidence you lose your self esteem and your ability to put on matches and then when I got back to Ring of Honor it's like you talk to the to the to the management and the booking and you're and they trust you. And you're like, instantly this rush of self-confidence comes back and you're like, Oh, okay. Oh yeah. This is who I was. This is what I do. And like, even like I'm right now, I'm sitting here getting goosebumps at that feeling when I was given that trust again, because I lost it and it's, it's, it hurts, but, um, it's just, it's nice to have that feeling again. And it's just, I'm just, as you guys can tell, I'm, I'm over the moon about being here. I'm just, it's, we're in a pandemic. Life is scary. Life kind of sucks for a lot of people, but I'm, uh, I'm extremely, extremely blessed right now. After five years, the return of Mike Bennett again, final battle next Friday night. You can see that on fight TV, Mike. Thank you so much as always for the time. We truly appreciate it. No, thank you guys. Again, I'm always humbled that you guys even care that what I have to say. So I'm always extremely thankful that people want to talk to me. So to the both of you, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.